Get to Old Navy now for February's biggest style steal. 40% off all jeans and tees. Jeans start at just 18 bucks for adults, 12 bucks for kids. With tees from just 7 bucks for adults, 6 bucks for kids. All jeans and tees are on sale, even your favorite rock star jeans. All jeans and all tees are 40% off right now. Don't miss out. Run into Old Navy and OldNavy.com today. Valid 211 to 221 excludes in-store clearance jeans and tees. Active licensed and men's package tees. Run into Old Navy Saturday and Sunday for 50% off all Old Navy active styles for adults and kids. They're all 50% off. But hurry, it's Saturday and Sunday only at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 215 to 216 excludes in-store clearance and baby. Today's sales leaders face a difficult task, selling the right products at the right time through the right channels. A new three-day program from Harvard Business School Executive Education addresses this problem directly. Join us on the Boston campus in August for Managing Sales Teams and Distribution Channels, where you will discover strategies that can lead to the best sales performance. Learn more by clicking the banner or visiting hbs.me sales. That's hbs.me sales. Five, five, four, four, three, three, two, one, one. When I had come down this hill, I had seen this creature cross the road. It would have ripped my locked door from my truck, extracted me from my vehicle, and there wasn't a damn thing I could have done about it. This thing, I got to notice in its eyes. Its eyes was real, real evil, real sinister looking. Look, it was given. Sasquatch Chronicles, a place where people share their encounters. Let's start the show. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thanks for being here tonight. If you've had an encounter and you'd like to be on the show, email me. My email address is wes at sasquatchchronicles.com. And if you get a chance, please visit the website, sasquatchchronicles.com. Got a great show planned for you tonight. Uh, my guest tonight is Anthony Moffat. He's a researcher out in Idaho, and uh, he posts a lot of stuff up on YouTube. He also has his group on face- Facebook, uh, Sawtooth, uh, Bigfoot Sawtooth Organization. Anthony, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here tonight. Oh, thanks for having me. Nice to be here. And if you would, Anthony, now, how long have you been researching this topic? Well, you know, I've, I've been asked that before. Um, um, I, I guess if I were to put it in years, 
15, 15 to 20 years, but most of that time um, were off and on. Um, I would have to say for the last four to five years, I've been doing it more full-time. I've been spending more time in the field. And was it originally an encounter that got you interested in this? That really made you go, hey, I'm going to devote some time to this. I'm going to devote some time and energy to this topic. Um, well, sort of. Um, I, I've seen some, some different things in, in, in a few different um, western, uh, northwestern states um, over the years. And I used to do a lot of wildlife photography. Uh, just on my own. Uh, nature and wildlife have always just been a passion of mine, spending time in the outdoors. And um, I started finding um, large tracks. You know, I decided to um, um, pursue what what could possibly be uh, making these tracks more. Previous before that, when I was, when I was a young man, um, I think I was um, 18 years old. Um, I were in the military. Um, I were in the army. And when I were in basic training for the army, I, I did I did my basic training at Fort Dix, New Jersey. While we were in training, it was actually blue phase. You go through the red, white, and blue phases. Um, that's how they did it at the time. Um, we were in blue phase. We weren't far from uh, graduating. And they took us, they took um, a whole battalion out to run this obstacle course, and they decided to make it a competition uh, between platoons. It was basically a race through this obstacle course. And my platoon were, were one of the first ones to get out there. And when, when we had gotten to the obstacle course, um, everyone were um, just kind of gathered together right there at the front of the course. And I decided to walk away from everyone and walk over to uh, the tree line. Um, and when I did that, I heard some, uh, um, crashing through the brush. So I looked into the tree line and I saw something that was in the pushed up position, uh, in the trees, probably 40 feet away, 40 to 50 feet away. And, uh, there was another one that was running down the hill and come and joined the other one right beside it in the pushed up position. And at the time, um, I certainly didn't have Bigfoot on my mind. Um, and at, at the time, um, what I was thinking, what, what first crossed my mind was, well, there's other people out here training. We're not the only unit that's out here training. But I can remember being mystified at, was, at what I was looking at. It was hard to, you know, because I didn't have Bigfoot on my mind, I wasn't thinking I were looking at uh, potential Bigfoots here. But I can remember um, um, looking at these things and being mystified at the odd appearance of them. And um, at, at first glance, what, what I thought I was possibly looking at was uh, soldiers in ghillie suits. Um, but as I, I kept looking at them, I didn't see any cavalier helmets. I didn't see boots. I didn't see a weapon. So I'm, 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 I'm looking at these things kind of bewildered. And um, I start to, to realize that, that what I'm looking at is, is, is fur covered. And um, as I'm standing there looking at these bewildered, another soldier walks up to me and asks me what I'm doing. And, and I turn to look at him. And uh, we, we just had a quick conversation. And I, I told him I was seeing things down in the forest there. And we both turned to look, and, and they were gone that quickly. And, and the area was kind of like a bowl. You know, I was up on the hillside. 
um, and, and it, it dropped down uh, 30, 40 feet down into like this bowl. And, and the direction these, these things were facing, if you go the direction they were facing, um, the bowl shoots off that way, drops down another hill, and just continues on through the forest. To this day, I, I, I kind of believe I were, I were um, seeing a couple of uh, Bigfoots in, in, in New Jersey. And, you know, I, um, when I started my Facebook group, I started learning about um, uh, Bigfoot researchers in New Jersey. And as soon as I mentioned the push up position, a light went on with them because these researchers have seen Bigfoots around uh, Fort Dix in the push-up push up position before. And, of course, I've learned um, 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 of other Bigfooters in different states and even Washington State, up where you're at, um, that have seen the same thing. There's even been someone that has seen that done on a thermal imager. So you saw the creature running on two legs, meet up with another creature, and then drop down to its belly, as you mentioned, like the push-up position. Well, and that's the thing. They weren't on their bellies. They, they, if, if you were to get into the push-up position with your chest about an inch, not even an inch, maybe a half an inch off the ground, with your elbows really uh, extending straight out, like you were just holding yourself in, in the push-up position with your elbows bent, so your chest is about half an inch off the ground. And like I said, when I first saw these, I, I honestly thought I was just looking at maybe infantry out there doing some training. But I were questioned by all the sergeants that were out there, all the captains, all the lieutenants, because there wasn't nobody else out there. They wanted to know what I saw. And um, at, at the time, I, I, I just didn't have Sasquatch on my mind. I was a young man. You know, when we're young, we want to get out and experience the world. We're not thinking about things that are running around in the forest. So they questioned me, and they, they told me adamantly there's no one else out here training, and they wanted to know what I saw. And, and I described it to them the best I could. Um, it was a very heavily forested area of the base where we were at. To this day, um, I actually didn't start thinking about that situation until um, I had gotten a little older and, and started remembering uh, what I saw. I'd put it out of mind for, for many years. Uh, but when I, when I was about 12 years old, I decided to cut through the forest to uh, go visit a friend. Um, it was probably about uh, a four-mile run. And when I was a young man, I could just run like the wind. I ran everywhere I'd gone. And uh, so I was running through the forest, and I crested the hillside. And when I got onto the top of this hill, I saw two, two, two bucks, two deer. And these things just had enormous racks on Just if you were a hunter, they were, you know, they're what you're looking for out there. And these two bucks were standing nose to nose. They had a uh, fence between them, a, uh, a barbed wire fence that were between them, and they were standing nose to nose, uh, just standing there looking at each other, and they wouldn't move. And uh, I come up the hill, and I'm shocked. I have these two large deer in front of me. I expect them to turn and run, and I hope when they do that I don't get smacked by one. And and, and, and they're not moving. They're just standing there. And uh, so I, I'm starting to get concerned. I, I realize I'm in an unusual situation here. Um, I'm yelling at them. I'm clapping my hands. I'm waving my arms in the air trying to get these two deer to take off. And pretty soon, you know, and I'm asking myself, are these things even alive? Did they die standing up? What's what's going on here? So to my left, I had this acorn tree. And this acorn tree was a big, massive tree. The branches on it were, you know, some of them were, were four foot around. They were just huge branches. 
I pick up this this softball sized acorn and I toss it and hit one of the deer in the side with it and and at that point they they still didn't move but they were starting to and then they finally turned and went in opposite directions and I remember looking up 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 in the tree and I saw this large dark figure laying on one of the branches up on the tree and uh, it was just it was it, it was odd and spooky and I I can recall running and diving over this fence. And, 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 and running as fast as I could uh, to my friend's house. And I can't really be sure what I saw up in that tree, but this, this, this area that I grew up in, there were no bear in the area. So I, I knew it wasn't a bear. Um, but, I, you know, th- that's, those are just a couple of um, potential sightings that I had throughout my life. I, I lived in Wyoming for many years. Often I would see, I'd be up on a mountainside or a hillside, and I would see something bipedal uh, walking down near a stream, down near willows. And um, um, usually you would, uh, it, it, you know, something you would see for a second or two, and then it was gone. Uh, normally if you would see um, a, a man possibly fly fishing or something uh, in an isolated area like that, uh, you would then see them continue on out on their the path that they were taking to uh, get to wherever you were going. And a lot of those sightings there um, that I would have like that, you would get that one to two second uh, glimpse of them, uh, something bipedal walking uh, in the distance, and uh, it would just disappear. It would be completely gone. Um, so I often question, um, and I, I don't know for sure, but I often question if, if, if I weren't seeing, uh, you know, some Bigfoots in that area in Wyoming, Later on in life, I did learn there were some Bigfoot researchers that have gone into that area because there had been Bigfoot reports in that area. And occasionally in that area, I would find um, some unusual tracks. And these are these are things that throughout the course of my life have, have really gotten me interested in, in Bigfoot research, just different things that have happened um, uh, throughout my life that, uh, you know, uh, started me thinking that maybe there's something to this myth. Um, when I, I've been in Idaho for six years now and, um, um, I'm, I'm an avid outdoorsman, an avid hiker, and I've started finding tracks, um, in the Sawtooth National Forest. And this one particular area that I spent, uh, you know, three or four months in last, last summer, um, I started finding tracks from 13 inches all the way up to 18 inches. Uh, so I felt like I was dealing with the group in that area. So I spent a lot of time in that area, really covering a lot of ground in there. And uh, I do have a, a, a video called a Bigfoot track on the trail. Um, it's a 16 and a half inch track. It's the best track that I've ever found. Um, it's, it's, it's a really nice, nice looking track. But August 11th of last year, I decided to um, um, go look for tracks around these lakes that are up on the mountain. Um, it's about... Uh, somewhere between a four and five thousand foot climb. It's a five five mile hike. So so it's a hike that 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 can really um, um, you know zap your energy. It's 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 not a real difficult hike, but you climb so much within that five miles, it just you know can wear you out a little bit. So I got an early start that day, and and I I'd gotten uh, up to these lakes, and I decided to look for tracks around these lakes. You know, in the middle of summer, uh, you know, the ground really dries up. A lot of the tracks that you find, if you do find any, are pretty shallow. Um, so I decided to check out water sources and see if I could potentially find tracks uh, in softer ground 
uh, around these water sources. So I was up looking around these lakes, and, and when I'd gotten within a quarter of a mile of the first lake, um, I, I noticed how quiet it was. I mean, it was just completely silent up there. Nothing, there was no wind blowing, there were no birds chirping, uh, you know, there were no prairie dogs or chipmunks or squirrels running around, there were no woodpeckers, you know, nothing was going on. It was very odd. And uh, when I'd gotten within about a quarter of a mile of the lake, I heard some twigs break in the forest to my left. And um, I, I said to myself, well, there's an animal in there. And I said, you know what, I'm going to check this out on the way back through. Um, and that's what I did. In, in fact, I, I uh, walked up the trail about another 10 or 20 feet, and I turned around to look into that area, and there were some pine trees blocking the view into the forest. I couldn't see anything. And I just turned around and, and, and continued on. When I had gotten up to the first lake, I decided to shoot some video of the first lake. Later, I learned that I picked up... It, it, it it's kind of difficult to see in the video, but sometimes when I'm shooting the video, I like to put commentary in with it. So I'll often shoot a scene. I'll turn the camera back to myself. Uh, when I had done that, off to my left, I picked up um, um, what appears to be to me a tree peeker in that video. Um, at this point in time, I'm being watched. I'm being followed around, but I didn't know it yet. So I walk around this first lake looking for track. I'm not really finding a lot of sign, but yet I didn't cover all the ground that I wanted to cover around that first lake. So I decided to walk to the second lake, and I get over to the second lake. Um, I'm looking for sign around there. I shoot some video of that lake, and then I decide uh, to leave that lake, and uh, I, I noticed that the tree line run quite a ways um, to, behind this lake and up to the mountain that's behind the lake. So I said, well, you know what, I'm just going to go through here. And I started walking through there. It's kind of a tough hike. You have to climb up a, a bit of a, a hillside and, the, and then the forest continues on. I had a magpie that squawked at me up in a tree. It was just a dead tree. It squawked at me twice. I woke up at it even shot some video of it. And then I was like, shut up. you know. And, and, and the bird never made another sound. Yeah. And I, 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 can, I, I continued on through the tree line. And I'm walking around now at the back end of this forest. I have a big rocky mountain on the other side, and I'm checking it out, and I see this tree uh, that looks, it's just an odd-looking tree. You know, sometimes in the forest you find a tree that's different. And uh, I was looking at this tree, and I thought, wow, if I was a biped out here, that would just be a perfect tree to play on. You know what I mean? And uh, so I'm shooting video of this tree, and again, I, I pan the camera around, and, and this time to my left again, I pick up a tree peeker. Now, this tree peeker you can see, can't see any any details, spatial details or anything. You can see a head, you can see a chest, and you can see some legs. And it's kind of sticking out from the street to my left. But I still weren't aware that there was anything in the area. So I shoot my video there. I come back to the tree line. And now I'm working my way back around to the first lake. And um, um, because what I plan to do, there's um, a section of forest that runs between the two lakes and then on back in quite a ways, and there's smaller lakes back in there. When I get back around to the first lake, I hear voices. I hear some uh, chattering type of whispers. Um, and the first thought that comes to my mind is, well, hey, somebody else is out here. So I walk around, and I'm looking to see who, who else is out here. I find no one. Um, so I kind of blow it off, and I, I, I walk 
back between the two lakes and back into the forest back there. And, and, and you know, I'm, I'm back there for quite a while. And then I just, I'm, I'm starting to feel tired. I'd been out for seven, eight hours, something like that. And I said, well, you know what? I'm tired. I'm done. I've had it going home. I started heading back down the trail. When I got to the spot where I heard the twigs break when I came in, it went from dead silent to whooping. Uh, followed behind the loops for kind of a high-pitched squeal um, and crashing through the brush and tree knocks. I had tree knocks coming from four different directions. Were you worried at this point? I mean, well, I, I think... For, for, I first kind of went into shock. You know, I, I'm, I'm saying, you know, it's completely silent. It goes from completely silent to, to band like bombs exploding. You know, it, it, you just kind of go, what? You know, what, what's going on? And, um, yeah, I'm starting to get pretty spooked here. I almost just picked up the pace and, and got the heck out of there. But I, I remember um, I, I reached out with my right hand and I grabbed a tree. And I said, wait a minute. I said, this is what you come out here for. Get a hold of yourself and man up. And and that's what I did. And so I opened up my camera and my camera was doing flip-flops. I mean, I was like, oh, shit, you know, uh, what's my, my camera's not going to work. So I decided to do some tree knocks back to see if I would get a response. And I picked up this stick that was on the ground, smacked it up against the tree. The stick broke. I was looking around for a stick, and then I walked, you know, and, and noises would start, they would stop. They would start, they would stop, you know. Um, so I would start to get my camera out and hit record. Everything would quiet down. Um, so I ended up walking into the tree line where it sounded like the majority of the, the, the sounds were coming from. And um, so I, I, I'm, I'm sitting here going, man, I hope my camera's going to work. I hit record, and I do have a 30-second video from that day. It's called uh, Bigfoot Encounter, a Tree Peeker, Knocks, and Other Sounds. And in that video, you can see the tree peeker. It's a little harder to see. But uh, then the brightened up uh, um, my my Facebook group cover pick, which it's the Sawtooth National Forest Bigfoot Organization. I, I took a still pick out of that video. It's brightened up, and uh, you can see a very dark bipedal figure peeking out from behind the tree. You can see the shape of the eyes, the nose, uh, and the mouth. As I'm walking in, I'm getting tree knocks from in front of me, to my left, to my right, and behind me. I feel like I'm completely surrounded. I'm excited. I'm scared. I'm excited. Um, and I'm tired. You know, I, I'd, uh, had a, uh, I had been out uh, doing a lot of hiking, and, uh, you know, I was kind of exhausted. Um, so anyway, I'm shooting this commentary, and I click the camera on. I look at the camera, and I say, this feels like a bold move. That's the first thing I said in the video. I'll tell you what it did. It, it, it felt like I was, uh, it felt like a bold move. And I knew these that there was these things were in front of me, and I didn't know what you know. When when you're in a situation with a, a confrontation with any type of wildlife, you can't predict how it's going to come out. Right. You know? yeah. I, I I was spooked. I mean, anyway, I'm walking through all this deadfall. This area is just riddled with deadfall, uh, fallen logs, and I'm stepping over these things, and I'm I'm shooting this video. I think the video is about thirty seconds long. I'm, point, I'm, I'm holding the camera, looking at myself, and then I'll point the camera forward. And I do that three times. Out in front of me is, is, is what I like to call the dominant male. This big sucker is just right there staring me down, 
beside this this tree right there, and uh, I, I I would have my guess is that there was going to be a confrontation. That's the one that I was going to have to deal with. That's the one that put itself out front. Now, when I'm shooting this video and I point the camera forward and back to myself three different times, if you pause the camera when I'm turning it back to myself, up in the tree to my left is a white face. Um, and I found I found this white face during editing. Um, there's been a lot of other Bigfoot researchers that have a lot of different opinions about what that white face is. It's been called an albino Bigfoot. Uh, the Bigfooters that believe in the Bigfoot alien thing call it an alien. You know, there's a lot of different opinions, but uh, that one was a real shocker to see. Um, I just made a video called uh, One Year Anniversary of uh, my uh, Bigfoot encounter. I went back up there last week, you know, August 11th. Um, but uh, um, anyway, this white face is probably... I guess 30 to 40 feet off the ground. Um, it, it's high up in this, this pine tree. Is it all you can see is the face? You can't see anything else? That's, that's it. It looks like, it looks like the Friday the 13th Jason ski mask, uh, mask that he wears. That's, that's what it looks like. I'm not kidding you. It's, it, it's very odd looking. And, and and it stands out like a sore thumb. I actually have a video called a, it's called a strange white face, and uh, I call it a strange white face because that's all that I know it is. I, I had people that accused me when I first posted these videos of me putting a mask up in that tree. And you know what? I cannot. I can, you know this is a, a a pine tree. It's it's not really that big around. You know, um, it doesn't have a lot of branches. Get up there, you know. I cannot shimmy up a tree like that, and especially that go that high. I'd be afraid to. I'd be afraid to fall and break something. You know. I mean, I'll climb trees if they have branches that I can use to climb up. I, I wanted to ask you. So going back to the big one that was there, did you did you see it at the time, or was it when you went back to your video? Is when you noticed the I, uh, I only saw it in the video, and and that's what really really. Um, has me puzzled because, you know, when I, when I was doing my wildlife photography, one thing, one of the things that made me, um, so good at it is my ability to spot wildlife in thick brush. My eyes were just, if my eyes were like a magnet that would just drawn to them. And I mean, sometimes at distances, you know, um, um, something I was always good at. This, this thing was only, uh, about, 30 to 40 feet in front of me and I couldn't see it, you know, and, and, and I'm still confused as to why I couldn't see it. And it, I don't know if it, if it had anything to do with, I was tired. I was excited. Um, I was scared. I, I do know that I wanted to get out of there. I, I, I had a lot of fear. I knew I was surrounded and I, and, and, and I had a lot of fear and it's possible that my, my, my hurry up, uh, shoot the video and get out. Maybe why um, I didn't see it. I, I I have always had a regret that I did not I did not get control of myself. I didn't control my fear and I didn't stick around. Um, because if I would have stuck around, um, I would have seen a whole lot more. Um, but at the same time, I might have um, endangered myself a lot more. 
you know. Yeah, don't you think you um, were probably in danger? I mean, it kind of sounds like you were kind of in danger in that situation. I mean, I would have left too. I would have. I'm not even sure I would have broken the camera out. I think I would have just been like, I'm out of here. Uh, but that, it did. That, that, that was my initial reaction. Like I said, when they first opened up on me, I almost took off. But I, I, I stopped myself, like I said, I, I, and I told myself to man up and check this situation out. As a Bigfoot researcher, every time you encounter them, you just take off running. You know, you're, you, what are you going to learn? You know? Right. Um, I, would, I would have to say that that was probably the first time I would have to say that I had an encounter. And it was, I was scared. And that's why after, after I shot that video, um, the camera died. It went, it was completely dead. Um, I couldn't use it no more. So even if I would have stuck around, I couldn't have gotten anything on video. Um, but I, I, I do know I would have seen, uh, a lot more. Um, um, now at the same, at the same time, because I was so fearful after that camera died, I worked my way through the deadfall back out onto the trail and, and made my way down down the mountain. And one thing I noticed when I went back up there this year on the 11th, where the path that I took to get back out actually put me within about 15 feet of that big tree teaker, and I probably had to walk under the white face. And I can tell you, during that encounter, nothing was thrown at me. There was nothing aggressive of any kind made towards me. If I would have stuck around, um, that's not to say that the situation wouldn't have wouldn't have been different. I don't know, and, and that's why you know I really regret that I didn't stick around. Um, I was armed; I did have protection on me. But at the same time, I, I, I had no intentions of, of using it unless absolutely necessary. I, I, I really regret that I didn't, I did not stick around. Now, when I went back up there this year on the 11th, um, I, I had no activity of any kind except when I was about, um, probably three miles from the air. It's about two miles in. I heard some ro- roaring howls and I had never heard roaring howls before in my life, not like you get up in Washington State and Oregon. Um, I've heard whoops, I've heard whistles, I've heard barks, but I had never heard roaring howls before. There were two back-to-back roaring howls that came from up the mountain where I was heading um, this year when I was going back up, but I I, I had never heard those before, and uh, and, and I was blown, blown away at hearing them. One of the things I want to ask you, going back to when you were a kid and you saw the one in the tree... Would you describe it more monkey-like, or did you honestly just think it was a person sitting up in a tree? Well, all I saw was a, a black mass and and uh, and, and an arm. Um, I would say the left arm, um, kind of hanging down a little bit from the branch, and it, and, and it just kind of looked like um, um, I don't know, maybe a furry shadow. But at the time, you know, at, at 12 years old, I might have been, you know, between 12 and 14. I, I don't recall the actual year that happened. At that point in time in my life, I don't think I'd even heard a Bigfoot yet. Now, later on, in the following years, I started hearing about Bigfoot because there were two men that came over to our farmhouse. And uh, they had just had a sighting in their car at probably about midnight. They were on an old dirt road, and they had one that ran out in front of their car. 
And uh, I remember their description. They said it was completely black. They said it had deer antlers on its head. And uh, um, um, that was really mystifying. And over the years when I thought about it, and they, wouldn't, they were shook up. They really wouldn't speak more of it. And my guess is what they probably saw is a, is a Bigfoot carrying a deer. It's yeah. probably what they saw. That makes um, most sense. Um, yeah, yeah. And they said that they said this thing was huge. It, it, it stepped out in front of their headlights and had deer antlers on its head. And that was their description. They wouldn't talk any more about it. They wanted to put it out of mind. I, I think I'd ask him, ask them about it a couple more times, and I would see him, and they just really wouldn't say any more about it. You know, that was back in the in the seventies and, 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 you know, we, we now get a lot more people willing to come forward with sighting reports nowadays than we would have back in those days. Yeah, it, that is interesting. I've never heard that before. I tend to agree with you on that situation. I think it was probably carrying a deer and they saw the black mass and probably caught the, the head of the deer sitting sure. up on the shoulder. It is interesting. You know, when people have encounters, either a, they, they go to tell someone and they get made fun of, so they never talk about it again, or they'll briefly mention it and then never talk about it again. It's a weird psychology right. when someone has an encounter with one of these things. Uh, and it's always made me wonder, too, because it's so far outside of people's frame of reference. You know, when people see bears or they see grizzly bears or yeah. they see, they have fear, but not the type of fear this thing evokes. From people, no, and, I think that, it's and, that, and that's 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 the the unusual the unusual part of it because because they're not a known species, and you know I've often said you know even having a sighting, it, it, I equate it to winning the lottery. The odds are, are just as good, and, and and you may even have better odds of hitting the lottery. You know I, I'm out in the forest as often in the mountains as often as I can get out there, and it's very rare. Uh, for me to have more more than just a tree knock or or or, or hear um, um, a whoop or a whistle or a bark um, just a few a couple of weeks ago um, and what I do is i'm 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 a, a backcountry off trail guy and what I do is I go out and I look for sign I look for tracks I look for teepee structures and any type of sign that I can find I look for and when i when I find uh, a potential track um, or something like that, I take that area, I study the area, and I look for hidden places within these mountain ranges where they might possibly be spending most of their time, and I will try to get into those areas. And just a couple of weeks ago, I made a video of a uh, hidden valley that I had gone into. And this was a really, really tough climb uh, to get into this hidden valley. The video is awesome. The, the scenery is, is amazing. But... Uh, there's, there are willow bushes in the stream that run up through this split to get up into this hidden valley. And for the last couple of years, I've been finding a lot of chewed bones uh, around these uh, these willow bushes. And um, I, I found a, a mountain goat skull uh, and, and various other deer and elk and goat bones uh, laying around these willow bushes that something has chewed up. You know, something's been feeding, and I, I believe using those willow bushes to ambush prey. Um, and, uh, this is, this actually isn't, but, uh, um, three or four miles, it's the same mountain range where I had my encounter. It's just a different, different area, but it's, it's actually in part of the same mountain ranges, uh, where I had my encounter. I, I, I had this, 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 uh, hidden valley on my mind for a couple of years now. And one day, um, I, I, I kind of got a late start. It's, it's not that far 
up the trail to actually get to work your way up into that hidden valley. Um, so I decided, well, you know what? I'm I'm going to do that today. I'm going to I'm going to hit that area today. Um, so um, I did. I I had gotten up in there. I probably burned off about ten pounds just trying to get up there. And uh, I finally get in there. And, and and when I when I hike into these these hidden valleys, when you hike up a mountain like this, you don't always know that it's going to plateau off and you're going to have a valley in there. So when 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 you hike up it, you, you could get up there and it just keeps uh, it just keeps climbing. It has no give and it just keeps climbing uphill to a peak. You know you don't know what you're going to find until you get up there. Well, I, I finally got up there and, and this thing had a, a, a flattened off, big, yeah, very large, hidden what I, what I like to call a hidden valley because it is hidden. You don't know it's there. Um, you know it might be uh, a mile, mile and a half, two miles time just to get up there to find out up very, very steep, you know, hillside to find out if there's a, a valley up there. And that's why I call it a hidden valley. Fortunately, when I got up into this one, it was it actually opened up into this big forested valley. I believe I call that video Hidden Valley Tree Knock and Bluff Charge. Um, it, it, it's a pretty good video. I like it. Um, it did get a lot of views and a lot of likes. Um, but anyway, I get up there and I, I, I just, I can see that this is going to be a great place to look for sign. This is out of the way and this is what I do. I like to find these out of the way places. You know, if these, if, if, if Bigfoots are spending time in an area, they're not just constantly moving. If they're spending time in an area, these are the areas where they're going to do that. You know, they're not, they're not pitching camp on the trails. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. I am up in there and I get in there and, and, um, I, I'm shooting video. Um, I'm walking around. I feel like I'm being watched, and then bam, there's some crashing through the brush in the trees to my left. Well, that could be anything. It could be a bear up there. It could be an, an elk that's just in there that I spooked, and now it's, it, 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 you know, on the run. You know, couldn't be sure. So I looked around a little bit. I continued on through this, this valley, and I finally made my way to the back of the valley. And, and uh, you know, I'm pretty tired, so I decided to sit out on a boulder. I get my... Uh, Power bars out beside me to lunch. I'm sitting there eating lunch and I hear a bark. And it just, it, it blew me away. I said, what? There's, there's no dogs out here, you know? And uh, the bark sounded like it was coming from behind me. And I was pretty much at the back, but yet I could go in a little further if I was willing to walk up these these rocky hills. And, and, and because the back of the, the uh, valley was uh, a box, like a boxing base, just steep mountain, rocky mountains. Uh, you know, forming a, a, a horseshoe at the back. And uh, so I did walk in a, a little bit further, didn't see anything, so I decided to head back out. And now once I get from the back back into the tree line, I decided to shoot some video. And while I'm shooting that video, how? I mean, it sounded like someone took a baseball bat, a Louisville slugger, a wooden bat, and you just hit it as hard as you can on a, on a telephone pole. You know, you just get a perfect howl. You know what I mean? This this tree knock was so loud, it had an echo. I mean, it was amazing. It immediately sent chills down my spine. I'm going, wow, you've got to be kidding me here. Fortunately, I was shooting video at the time it happened, because you don't you don't know when a tree knock's going to happen. You don't know when something's going to happen, you know. And I don't wear a GoPro, and, and that's one of the reasons I have... Uh, cards in my videos uh, trying to get donations so I can 
uh, uh, get the equipment I need. I need a GoPro. I need trail cameras. I need um, 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 an infrared or a thermal imager. So in a lot of my my videos, you can you can uh, see a little thing that pops up in the right hand corner of the video. So support Anthony Moffat, and you can make donations to me because I just need equipment. Uh, but anyway, after the tree knock, I decided to do some tree knocks back. Well, I'm, I'm looking around for a stick or something I can pick up off the ground to do a tree knock with, and I'm just not seeing anything that's going to work. So I take my hiking stick and I smack it a couple times up against the tree, not giving a good pitch tree knock, but yet I, I did it anyway. Just if I get a response, nothing happens. I did a couple of whoops, nothing. So I, I'm now working my way back out of this hidden valley. So probably 30 seconds, maybe 30 seconds after the tree knock, I'm walking to my left and working my way back out. There's an open area. The trees open up. There's an open area, big open grassy area right there. And I'm walking through that and to my left. Um, this thing, I basically, I, well, the, the best way for me to describe it is a bluff charge. In, in the trees to my left. It pushed over a tree. You could hear the heaviness of the animal, uh, the heavy footsteps, and, and it was a whoop, whoop, you know, uh, type of uh, sound that pushed over a tree. And here I am, way up in this hidden valley on this mountain, all by myself. It's, I've done a lot, you know, but very rarely do, when I do that, do I experience this type of activity, you know, and now I'm pretty stoked. I've got something that's, that's making an aggressive movement at me. It's not happy that I'm here. You know what I mean? I saw, and this is the interesting thing up there. There were no woodpeckers. There were no, um, um, there were some birds that were singing, but there were no woodpeckers pecking on any trees up there. Um, um, I saw no sign of bear in there at all. Um, I, I mentioned bear in the video because uh, more than likely uh, these hidden valleys are where a lot of bears go. But I saw no sign uh, of, of bear in there. I saw no bear tracks. Um, I did find a couple of uh, tracks heading up the mountain that were, they fit the profile. They were very Bigfoot looking. And then up there in the tree line, I also found a large track that uh, was shallow that was very Bigfoot looking. But I saw no bear tracks. I saw no bear scat. Up there. In fact, I didn't see any scat of anything. I didn't see any any uh, um, um, deer scat or elk scat. And normally, if, if you've got a lot of uh, uh, deer activity and elk activity, the scat's going to be pretty scattered around. And I didn't see any. And um, so after this bluff charge, I mean, I'm I'm pretty screwed. I had a nine millimeter on my side, but at the same time, the nine millimeter uh, is is not. If you're out, out in the mountains, it's really not type of uh, handgun that you want to carry for protection against large predators. Right. So um, um, I make my way in, in, a, in a hurry. Did you actually see what was bluff charging you, or did you just get the... the I, I, I could see a, a very dark something back there, and I could see that it was, it was massive. It was, it was huge. And, and at the same time, this is one of those situations where you can do one of two things. You can, um, um, you can, you can say, well, I'm going to put my, my uh, safety at risk here and I'm going to walk over there and I'm going to see what I can see. Or you can say, I'm going to take safety first and I'm going to 
uh, obviously this is something that's anger at me. I'm going to put some distance between me and it. And that's, that, that's what I chose to do. Um, if I, if, if I wouldn't have been alone, if I would have had someone else with me, I think we would have pursued the situation. But when, you know, that goes back to what I mentioned earlier. When you have a confrontation, even with local wildlife, uh, say a, a mountain lion or, or a bear, um, you cannot predict how that situation is going to come out. And if up there where I was at, if I would have been injured in any way, it, it, it's a good possibility. The only way I could have gotten out of there if I were injured would have been to crawl. Um, it, 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 it was, it's, it's almost straight up and down just to get up into that hidden valley. I mean, it, it, it's crazy ridiculous. Were you a little bit, Anthony, going out by yourself? You're carrying a 9mm. Uh, there's a lot of things that could get you in Idaho territory besides Sasquatch. I mean, doesn't that worry you that, a little bit? Well, it does, and that's that's why I plan to upgrade to a 44. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, a Smith a Smith and Wesson 44 costs, uh, uh, you know, uh, at a minimum of $900 for a new one, you know. So, um, and I just, I don't have the money to out and spend $900 on a new Smith & Wesson, but I do plan in the future to upgrade. Now, my confidence will go up when I'm carrying a 44 on my side, and I know if I have to... And, and, and I love nature, and I love love. I don't want to shoot anything. But, you know, my my hope is, is is when I fire off a round to just detour it from coming at me any further, and it'll go away. But you're right. There are, there are many things in the mountains that um, can harm a man. And, but, you know, most of the time, um, I, I, it's very rare uh, for what happened to me in that hidden valley to happen. It doesn't happen very often. I'll hike into a lot of these places. I feel like I'm being watched sometimes. I'll hear some tree knocks, but the actual activity will be very minimum. That was, that was very aggressive up there. The tree knock you can hear in the video, and a lot of people have made comments on that tree knock. But I'm using a $200 camera. It, it didn't pick up the audio as well as I heard it, and I wish I wish it would have. You know, but if you can hear it well enough that you know what it is. But yet at the same time, it, it to me it still doesn't give it the reality um, that it deserves because I've heard many tree tree knocks in, in my explorations, but this was the best one. I ever heard. And it might have been because um, it, it just wasn't very far away from me. I mean, it must have been, I would guess, a max of 50 feet at a max, you know, and it, it may have been uh, 20 to 30 feet, but it was not very far away from me. And it was just amazing to hear. Amazing. I, I also have a video on a, a massive teepee structure that I found this summer also, and I don't, I don't know if you've seen that, um, but it's called, I believe that video is called A Massive Teepee Structure uh, Found in Idaho, and that is another hidden valley um, that I climbed um, to get into. And this is a very large, very well-built um, teepee structure. There's a hidden valley up there. Uh, I found tracks in it. I have found... Um, um, trees that have been bent over and twisted twisted together. Um, and I just had uh, Rob Bazzuto from Northwest Bigfoot uh, come up from Boise, and uh, I took him up in there um, uh, about a week, week or two ago, and uh, he was impressed. It's the uh, best structure that he, he 
he's ever seen himself. And him and I did do some uh, research in the valley while we were up there and uh, did find some interesting sign in, in that one. But we did not get, you know, any tree knocks or any uh, bluff charges like I had in the other one. And maybe that's due to the fact that I had somebody with me. That's one of the upsides to going out alone is your your, your chance of encountering um, a Bigfoot or a group of Bigfoots um, goes up if you're by yourself. The downside to being by yourself is the safety issue. Uh, now, if you have the protection on you, um, um, you know, you're, you're better off. And that, like I said, I plan to upgrade to the protection that I carry. I always carry bear spray. I always have bear spray on me. I always have a sidearm on me, but I do need to upgrade my sidearm that uh, is going to provide me with a, a little better protection. Now, if I would have had a 44 on me uh, two weeks ago when I'd gone up into that hidden valley and had that activity, I would have walked over towards the tree line uh, to uh, see if I could possibly uh, see see it. You know, well, now I uh, or go ahead. I was going to say, in my honest opinion, what I experienced up there was a Bigfoot. Um, the tree knock, if, 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 if the tree knock wouldn't, wouldn't have happened, um, I wouldn't be so sure. But after the tree knock and after this thing made its presence known, um, it just seemed too massive to be a bear. Now, there's no reason why we can't have brown bears, and there are some rumors that possibly we do. Uh, you know, there are brown bears in Washington State. The Yellowstone's not very far away. Um, as the crow flies, Glacier National Park's really not very far away. As the crow flies, Salmon, Idaho has brown bears, and that's uh, just, uh, you know, not even 200 miles north of here. So it's rumored that, you know, occasionally we do get brown bears in the area, but definitely what we have are black bears. And, um, um, of course, some of them, can get large, but most typically they're just the smaller uh, black bears. Um, there's no question in my mind what I experienced up in that particular hidden valley were Bigfoot activity. Let me ask you this. I know you're not really out to shoot one. Uh, you're not going out there to shoot one. I think, and I'm not, I'm not sure how you feel about it, Anthony. I think it needs to be done. And I think that, uh, so, you know, someone needs to, it needs to be done. Uh, someone has to pick one of these things off just to bring it in. A lot of people don't like to hear that. They hear to hear me say that, but I'm going to always say how I feel. I think one needs to be shot. But if you're not going out there to collect a specimen, if you're not going out there to take one of these things down, and I wouldn't obviously wouldn't recommend it by yourself, but what's one thing or two things that you've learned while going out researching this, being out there in the forest that you've learned that maybe other people don't know that these things do, these creatures do? As far as the Rocky Mountain states go, the, the Northwest, where, where we're at, most of the sightings that have happened, people were just in the right place at the right time. Most sightings are from non-Bigfoot researchers, people that are just out having a picnic or out fishing or driving down a road. As a researcher, if you want to find these things, in my opinion, you have to be willing to go the distance. And that's what I do. You're not going to find them by, 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 by big footing um, from your car um, unless you're just in the right place at the right time. You're not going to find them by being too lazy to 
to to get out into the mountains and, and do the footwork that it takes. And you'd be surprised at how many Bigfooters are not willing to, you know, when they go out Bigfooting and camping, they're basically driving up to a campsite, a public campsite, they're pitching camp, and they're not venturing out away from camp. You have to be willing to put in the footwork. You have to be willing to uh, put in the extra footwork, um, in my opinion. If, if you're out looking to get a Bigfoot on video, you have to be willing to, in my opinion, to go the distance when you're out there. And, and, and from what I can see, there's only so many Bigfooters that are actually doing that. Now, that doesn't mean you're not gonna, going to find evidence by going so far out of the way. But that's just, that's just my opinion from what I've seen, from what, 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 what I've been doing. You're going to find signs. Um, and which is, which is mostly what I do. I look for sign. I don't expect to see anything because it's just so hard to do. But, but, but that's just my opinion. I, I, I could be wrong on that, but where I Bigfoot with my experience, if you want to, uh, uh, capture Bigfoot without shooting Bigfoot and, and capture one on video, you really have to be willing to, uh, spend the time out there. And, yeah, um, and that's why I admire a lot of your videos because you are out there in the middle of nowhere. And I, and I tend to agree with you. I think most researchers are probably on Facebook or talking about other researchers they hate, generally speaking, as opposed to getting well, out I don't, there. I, I don't hate the fact that somebody wants to shoot one. I just don't. I think that if someone shot one and brought a body in for the whole world to see, that that could do a lot of good. Uh, now, if, if one came at me in an aggressive manner and wanted to uh, harm me, I would pull my sidearm and shoot it. Okay? It's not like I'm just going to stand there and let it take me out. I'm not going to do that. But I'm not tracking them to take one out. Um, I personally, if, 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 if I had uh, access to uh, tranquilizers and tranquilizer guns, I might chase them down... Uh, tranquilize um, them um, to get DNA hair samples and possibly even bring the body in alive. Um, a live specimen would definitely be better than, than a dead one, but you're, we're talking either way, you're talking about a tall order. I mean, there, there are people that are, you know, as you know as well as I do, there, there are kill groups out there trying to take one out, and they're just uh, really not gaining any headway on the people that are... Um, um, against pro-kill. You know, the results are the same either way. And, and, and that's why I, I don't take, take it uh, too seriously with the pro-kill because I personally don't think uh, they're going to get anywhere. As, as us non-pro-kills are, you know, we're just out there doing the best we can um, and, and, and hoping for the best. And who knows, maybe one of these days someone will bring in a body um, and, and maybe someone won't. But it just seems that to me, these things have the capability of, even when you know, like up in that hidden valley, I knew there was at least two because the tree knock come from my right, the bluff charge came from my left, unless this thing quickly ran around the forest and, and over there, um, um, which which I don't think so. Um, it made, there were at least two two up there, and um, they, they, they can be that close to you. And, and, and you still cannot see them. 
you know, well, it makes they, you go back get, to thinking of the push-up position you were talking about in the beginning. And I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that before, which doesn't mean anything. Oh, yeah. But I've heard people say yeah. they get on their bellies and do belly crawls a lot. But the push-up position is an interesting position, uh, especially well, I'm if not, you're... You know, I'm not talking about with, you know, your arms extended straight. If, you know, when, you, when, you're, when your arms are extended straight and you drop down to do your push-up and you get your elbows fully bent... They just stayed in that position. And then, you know, when, when, when this other guy and I were speaking, it was only a matter of, of, of one to two seconds, maybe three seconds max. They were able to disappear and be gone in that amount of time without making a sound. And, and that, was, that was really, really unusual. And, you know, honestly, that it, maybe it wasn't. Maybe I weren't uh, seeing Bigfoots on that base. But I'll tell you what, it was a very... Very odd and very different uh, uh, situation. Um, very well, unique. yeah, and especially being on you know a military reservation, they you you can't just step foot on one. Uh, so it's either no, a it, people out there, which really doesn't make sense, especially if you're out there doing training. I can't see other soldiers out there running around without the the base commander or someone knowing what's going on. And right, so, and that's just if they know where everybody is set. On a base like that, um, um, where, where, where they hold, uh, especially basic training and AIT, your your job training type of stuff, they have to know where everyone is at to prevent others from getting shot or blown up by artillery and, and, and things like that. And, and you know, when I was questioned by the the upper ranking uh, people that were there, um, they were very adamant that you know there was no one else out there, and uh, so they wanted to know what I saw. You know, and uh, I told him, you know, told him what I saw. And of course, I, as a young man, I didn't say, well, I saw Bigfoot. In fact, I, I didn't even, even use that term. I just explained to them what I saw. And they told me, well, there, there was no one, no one else out here. So they, they wanted to know what I saw because just for safety concerns, uh, with, 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 with us being in the area. Do you ever take reports from people? I mean, do you, is there people in your area? That you go out and you investigate reports. Well, I do have a a uh, a web page that um, I, I started not too long ago. It doesn't seem to be getting a lot of activity. I want people to report their their sightings to me. I do know of of, of sightings. One of the admins for my group is Jeff O'Loughlin. He he lives in New York, but he's from Salmon, Idaho. He grew up and went to high school in Salmon, Idaho. And uh, he, his his family still lives there, so he comes back uh, once once a year, once every two years, and spends a month or two with his family in Salmon. And he told me he were coming out, so I went up to Salmon, and him and I camped and uh, done some bigfooting while we were up there. And we made a sighting. We done a video on his sighting that he had when uh, back in 2013 when his son were up there up on the mountain splitting firewood. Um, but as far as the, the, the sawtooth goes, uh, there's an, uh, an area called Redfish Lake that's in, in Stanley, Idaho, which is a huge tourist attraction. You've got Stanley Lake, you've got Redfish Lake, you've got the Cape Horn Lake, uh, you've got uh, Bull Trout Lake, and these, you've got uh, Deadwood Reservoir, uh, which uh, Kelly Shaw from uh, the Rocky Mountain Squatch spends a lot of time and, in, in Deadwood Bigfooting because a lot of Bigfoot uh, sightings come out of there. Uh, Redfish Lake, um, there's, there was a video on YouTube a couple of years ago that has also been pulled off YouTube. Redfish Lake is a very big lake, 
um, several miles long. In fact, a man just drowned. They were out boating. He jumped in the water, and the water was so cold, he just sank to the bottom. They never found his body. Just a few years ago, um, there was some Boy Scout troops that were in the back country, in the mountains behind Redfish Lake. To get back there, you either uh, pay to have a boat take you to the back of the lake, or there's a trail you can take. It just makes it a much longer day if you take the trail, but you can pay $14, $16, and you can get a boat ride to the back of the lake. When you get back in there in the mountains, it, it, it's very um, wild and rough, um, you know, mountains, uh, very vast. Um, in fact, it's just all part of the, the solitude. You know, like I said, it's, it's the largest wilderness expanse in the lower 48. Uh, there was just a few years ago, a man disappeared back there. They found where he'd gone, and then he just was gone. They found no other traces of him, and he's never been found. A few years before that, um, a, a Boy Scout troop was in there, and uh, one of these young Boy Scouts, probably 12 to 14 years old, was grabbed by something. And this was a this was a normal young man, uh, you know, as normal as you know most average young men are. Apparently, the story goes that uh, whatever grabbed him, they the rest of the troop and the troop leaders finally found uh, where this thing took him to. And they tracked it down, and, and, and they found it, and apparently they had to coax it into letting him go. Did they see and, what it was? Well, that, that, there's where the, now, um, there's where the story gets interesting. The young man that got grabbed is no longer normal. He's insane. His mind's gone. Whatever grabbed him, he lost his mind. It, it, it caused him to lose his mind. And that video was pulled off YouTube. And uh, so that video is no longer was another video that was pulled, pulled from YouTube. Um, now, Redfish Lake has cabins you can rent. It has a beach. It has boat docks. And it's just, to, to get a good spot in Redfish Lake, you have to book your spot a year in advance. That's how, how popular it is. They have employees that, that work for uh, the lake. And uh, just a few years ago, there was, it was about midnight. One of the employees, you know, they have employee cabins that they stay in, uh, was leaving the shower facility and walking back to his cabin. And he heard the strangest howls he'd ever heard in his life. He couldn't figure out what these howls were. He decided to go get someone else to hear these howls. And uh, he did. He had grabbed a couple of other people. No one could identify the sounds that they were hearing. And uh, um, um, and, and, and what, what the trail that you can take that runs beside the lake that will take you to the back of the lake, it's a many-mile trail. There's a stream that runs down the mountain on the other side of that trail. And um, it's suspected that it come down that stream. And it's all forested through there, thick forest. And... Uh, um, of course, no one could figure out why it was howling the way it were, but um, um, that's suspected big activity there. If you go across the highway and up the highway about another 20 miles, you come to a place called Cape Horn Lakes, and that's where the Bradley Boy Scout camp is. In June of 1980, there were three deaf Boy Scouts, and this is an area that has had a lot of big foot activity, and that's, that's what I'm going to tell you about now. There were three deaf Boy Scouts about noon. They had a, a break in their training and activity they were doing throughout the day. And these boys decided to, to walk from the 
first lake to the second lake and then to the third lake, which is the biggest lake of the Cape Horn. As they're approaching the third lake, um, one crosses the trail in front of them. All three boys saw it. You know, they're signing with each other as it's happening. And, of course, these boys rushed back to camp. Now, there is a BSRO report on this sighting. Now, this is what's interesting. If what those boys saw when they were 12 to 14 years old was just their imagination, why would all three of them, as grown men now, make a Bigfoot report on the BFRO site? You know, that's, right. that, 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 that makes that very interesting. And this man, the, this man specifically says this thing was very large, yet agile. And what really, really got his attention, he could not believe how massive its legs were. Yeah, that is interesting. A lot of good details right. there in that, that report. You know, going back sure. to the one you were just saying that, that kind of hit me a little bit with the, the boy that was taken. And I don't know how they coaxed this thing into letting him go and he's now insane there was a report yeah. i was telling you about the one right before we went on air with that happened out here in oregon and the story goes and i've been trying to find more and more details on it before i was going to say it on the air but basically the story goes this guy he was a logger out here in in oregon and he owned his own logging company and so he had basically sure. set up shop in the middle of nowhere he had a mobile home and this man kept getting followed. He kept saying he kept having stuff thrown at him. And he caught sight of it one day. And, and it was a bunch of apes throwing stuff at him. And so he wow. had made a bunch of reports saying these apes were following him. And and uh, his whole family had seen them. Well, they lived in well, this I would imagine home. it sounds like to me they were upset that someone's cutting their forest down. Well, and that, and that might have been it. But he... Basically, he was telling his family about this. He was saying, "Hey, look, I don't know what this, these things are, but there's these weird creatures out here. They kind of they're kind of apish." So he kept telling his his family, you know, outside of his immediate family, but he was telling some of his family members, "Hey, these apes keep they're giving me a hard time. They follow me. They throw stuff at me." And you're right, he was logging that area, and he had told one of his family members that he was heading back to his home. On his way back to the home, this thing kept pacing him and growling at him in the woods sure. until he got up to his home. So he got into his home. Well, no one had actually heard from the family for about two months. And some of the, you know, out, outside the family started getting worried. So they called the cops. When the cops went out there, there was, it looked like a tornado had hit the place. There was punch marks from the outside. I think they blew it off as, as, He'd crossed some drunks or he'd crossed some crazy guys out there. But the sure. whole mobile home was completely like a tornado hit it. There was stuff wow. outside. But the, I guess they had found the daughter. And the daughter was five or six years old at the time when they found her. And everyone else was dead. They had taken the daughter to like a foster home. And, and sure. the story goes, she's actually in it. She's actually completely insane now. She's in an insane asylum. She had trouble. Yeah in every foster home they put her into. And there was a researcher that was actually looking into that story, and he had dug up a bunch of stuff on this encounter. And I've been trying to find him and find a lot of his work. I find bits and pieces of it. But with anything like this, you know, 
unless you, you're going to find bits and pieces over here of different things that were happening to kind of put together the, the story. Well, of what and, happened. And, and, you know, it all goes along with a lot of the missing 411, too. They, they, these things, for some reason, are able to confuse the mind. And, and I think that's where a lot of the, the people that have lost their minds after uh, certain situations with these things is, you know, if, if you're out in the jungle and you see a monkey, not going to be, or, or, or even a gorilla. Now, a gorilla's going to scare you, but if it doesn't attack you, you're not going to lose your mind from seeing a gorilla. And 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 there's just something something unique about them. And and sometimes I I often wonder if you know one of the things that's been floating around is is uh, and some people believe it, some don't is infrasound. That it's a high pitched frequency that's kind of like a dog whistle. Uh, you can't hear it, but it's there. Um, I, I used to take a dog with me on some of my expeditions, and they were the exact spot where I had my encounter. Uh, this dog would freeze up, and this was months before my encounter. This dog would literally freeze up. I would take my foot and kick it in the rear end and everything else, and it would not move. And this is a dog that normally um, is either right on my heels or right in front of me leading. And uh, this dog uh, would not move. Every time it got to this spot where I had my encounter, it would freeze up. And I, I sometimes, I honestly, I, I don't know. I don't think any of us know. It, I, I, it, it, if you think about it, if they have some high-pitched frequency that, 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 that's not, uh, it can hit you um, like a dog whistle. When someone blows a dog whistle, the sound is going in your ears. You just can't hear it. And um, it's possible, and that's one of the things I thought about also, maybe I was hit by the infrasound, and that's why it confused my mind just enough that I couldn't see that thing standing in front of me. You know, a lot of people a lot of people believe that they use this infrasound to stun prey, at, so, which helps them hunt. If a large ape grabs you, let's say a gorilla grabs you, it's going to scare you pretty bad. You know, but yeah. if, uh, if this if this large gorilla just grabs you and holds on to you, you're going to be worried about what's coming next. But it's not normally enough to cause you to completely lose your mind. You might go into shock for a bit, but you're not going to lose your mind. So what it is it about these things that causes people to lose their mind? And if you think about a five-year-old little girl, she's not going to have enough of an understanding about life that something's going to scare her bad enough where she's not going to recover from that. So it makes me wonder if there's not um, something to this infrasound or something like infrasound that uh, maybe uh, um, they they put out through their mouth or through their nose um, that just gets into in, into your ear cavities um, and somehow affects the brain. Um, you know, a lot of people have said that they, they can feel the infrasound hit them in the gut. There's even people that say they know ways to recover from that, which is to take a short nap. Now, when I had my encounter, I didn't feel anything in my gut, but I do know that um, um, I there was some confusion going on. There, there are people that watch that video and they say, "Man, your eyes are so red." I watch the video and I say, "Yeah, they're right. They they are are, are a bit bloodshot uh, when I'm shooting that video." Um, but uh, you know, I don't do drugs. I don't drink. Um, so it's not like I was running around out in the woods stoned. If I was, I wouldn't be able to do the hikes I do. But um, um, in fact, I, I keep myself fit. I, I do a lot of uh, biking, 
um, um, uh, to keep myself fit, and I'm in the gym usually all winter long. I, I sometimes think, because a lot of these people uh, for missing 411, even some of the adults that we've heard about, somehow experience a state of confusion, you know, and, and, and they're found a long way from where they were taken. And with the children, a lot of the children, when they are found, um, they're, we, we know their clothes are removed, and, and um, uh, they're usually found, they're not eaten. Uh, there's usually a couple of scratches on their body, but they're usually found miles away in deep canyons, and they're just dead. If, if these things, say juveniles, were taking young children and just playing with them, you know, and playing with them too rough and, and causing internal injuries, you would think an autopsy would show that. So that they had these really serious internal injuries from being slammed or punched or, you know, something like that. And from what I understand, that's usually not the case. They're just dead, and they're not most of the time sure what killed them. So these, these things have something that they're using um, that um, is really um, um, can cause damage, in my opinion, possibly cause damage to the human mind. And um, I think that's... You know, fortunately, they're rare cases. Um, I would love to go out and investigate the two-year-old boy that just turned up missing here in Idaho. And, of course, that was going around all over um, Facebook uh, for a while. You know, I know a researcher out of Arizona that has said he's talked to some of the investigators and the family. And, you know, to you know, when investigators can't figure something out, they always blame it just to satisfy the public on something. You know, I, I, I guess they told him they, they suspect it was a wolf to grab that, that little boy. Um, I would need to see the area. I would need to see how the camp is set up, and I would need to see the location and, 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 and yeah, go from you, there. Don't, don't you kind of call BS on that a little bit? Because this kid disappeared, from what I understand. He's right there with his parents and his grandparents. Each of them think the other one's watching him. But he really, he really wasn't that far from camp. The kid vanishes. They send out, you know, they send out nothing shy of a military operation to go find this kid. There's well, no trace of him. They would, from what I understand, they used track dogs that would only track so far, and then they would stop tracking. Right. You know, if, well, if it was a wolf, if, if it was a bear, if it was a mountain lion, those dogs should be able to track it a long ways. Unless, of course, it gone through some sort of water source and come out on the other side, the dogs would lose its scent. But a non-local animal, you would think the dogs could track um, a long, long way. Well, the other thing, too, is when a predator gets you, you know, even a small child, it's going to make a mess when it kills, makes its kill. There's going to be blood everywhere. There's going to be, even a little kid's going to put up a fight. You know, I realize a toddler may not put up such a fight. a two-year-old kid's not going to be able to fight much against a mountain lion, a wolf, or a bear. Right. Um, it, but it, in the same it, breath, it, there'd, there'd be a mess, though, don't you think? I mean, there'd be a complete well, mess. Well, it depends. From... It, it depends. When I, when I look at this, and I've heard, and this is what confuses me about this. I, it sounds like you and I read the same report. They were all in camp, and the boy was somewhere in between them. Um, but what I was told by someone else is the parents went for a short hike. We're going for about 20 minutes and left him with the grandfather, who apparently was on oxygen. Now, when I looked at the report online, I saw the same thing you did, that they were all in camp. Now, there's only one animal that I'm aware of, known animal, that would that could do that, and that would be a mountain lion. A mountain lion will sit in the brush and wait for the right opportunity, and a mountain lion always goes for the smallest person in the group. 
and a mountain lion always goes for the throat. If a mountain lion grabbed this boy around the neck, squeezed, the boy's probably not going to squeal and certainly not going to be able to fight because a two-year-old boy, uh, a mountain lion could, could run up a mountain and climb a tree without even losing a breath. Um, so I don't buy the wolf story. Um, I, I it, you know, but here's the thing: if 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 a mountain lion would have grabbed the boy, I think the dogs could have tracked that mountain lion for a long way. And at some point in time, during that trail, you are going to find some blood. And if a, and, and, and you're right, um, if a mountain lion or a wolf would have grabbed the boy around the neck and they squeezed hard enough so he couldn't scream, you would think there would have been a drop or two of blood, probably close to camp. Yeah, it really is a terrible, terrible story. I mean, I really hate to hear when when kids go missing without you, a trace. And can you imagine just, how those parents feel? Oh my you god! Know, I, I, I was up just this last weekend. I was up. Uh, I went up to my encounter area. Like I said, I put out some apples and some energy bars and things like that. I made some rock stacks. That I I I planned on going back up there already, but with with all the smoke we're getting, I I just can't do it. But when I were coming out. Um, I, I ran into a family that had some little girls, and these little girls, I guess, were 10, 10 years old, 9 years old, and they were standing on this little sandy area by the stream, and the little girls were running down the shallow stream, way up through the willow bushes, you know, and these parents just weren't even paying attention to them. I wanted so bad to walk up to those parents and say, do not let them out of your sight. Keep an eye on them at all times. But at the same time, I, I, I knew if I'd done that, they would look at me and, and think of me as a quack and blow me off, you know. So I didn't yeah. say anything to him, but I really wanted to say, look, uh, Bigfoots are out here. This was a hot spot last year. Uh, they do kidnap children. Um, um, why don't you go read the, read the missing 411 uh, files by David Pilates and then come out here with your kids again and, and I promise you won't leave them alone. Um, but but um, I, I, I just I, I walked away with my head down, just shaking my head at, at these children running, running all over the place, out of their parents' sight. These small kids, you know. For one, you know, a lot of people they they get out into these mountains and 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 they forget that this is where even local predators live: bears, mountain lions, wolves, coyotes. You know, they just they don't think about these things. They'll see people out there; they're not even carrying bears. Relatives is, is a bottle of water or something, you know. And, um, I, you know, these people, you know, you get out there, it's a beautiful day, scenery's nice, nature's nice, and they just don't realize that they're in the location where all this, these predators live, you know, aside from Bigfoot. And, uh, you know, it wouldn't take much at all for any one of these predators when your nine or ten year old little kid is running down the stream way out of your sight in between these willow bushes for something to nab them. You know, you, you can't just you know, uh, put yourself in that situation where you have to say something to people all the time or you just you know, make people no, and upset you're, with you. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, I can relate to that. I The area that when I was down with Bob Garrett and Bob and I had the log thrown at our heads, the next day there was Boy Scouts that were going to stay in that same camp spot. And I almost said, you know what, I, almost, I really wanted to go over there and say, you know what, be careful while you're here <laughs> because – uh uh, but then you you know you're really not sure what to what to say to them. You know what I mean? It's like, what do you say to someone yeah. like that? You know? And then yeah, if yeah you're... they're just gonna they're just gonna think, hey, beware of this guy. He's a he's a nut. Yeah, yeah you that's know? true. 
And most of the time, now you know, you're in some situations, you get lucky and you say, you know what, you're right. You know, they might be, you know, someone that's just not going to consider you uh, and think of you that way. But um, I tell you, I, I saw those little kids just really getting their parents not paying attention, and I wanted to say something, but I, I didn't. I kept my mouth shut. Just One thing you should try while you're out there, uh, I'd recommend having a bigger gun, though, when you try it, is try playing a baby crime. You know, have hmm. audio of a baby crying. I've had I've never some. Considered that I've never considered that, but you know that 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 may may work. Yeah, I did that. Uh, there was a YouTube. There's two two or three hours of nothing but this kid crying, and uh, I tried that, and I had some pretty good success with it. I mean, it came in, but it came in pretty aggressively when I when I had that going, and really? um, yeah, it did it did kind of a weird cooing. It's not a noise I've heard before from any animal, period. But it's it it came rushing in. I mean, it came in like a Mack truck. You could hear it coming from got a quarter of a mile wow. away through the forest. But I had been playing wow. it for almost an hour, and I was getting ready to turn it off because it was driving me nuts. And after about an hour, all of a sudden, we just hear this sound like a Mack truck just crashing through about a quarter of a mile, and it and it cleared that distance from about a quarter of a mile away to where we were at. And it stopped right inside the brush. And then it started cooing, doing this weird cooing yeah. noise. I guess that's the only thing I could relate it to, just a real weird cooing noise. Uh, but it did. You it ever, brought it in. Have you ever asked yourself, because I have, I, I, I've thought about this. I, I think a lot of people probably have that are associated with the Bigfoot world. Why do they go after children? What is it about children mainly? Is it the fact that they're easier prey? You know, is, is, is it just that? Um, and, and if so, is it because they're more fearful of adults? And if that's the case, then that gives us somewhat of a leg up that they may have some fear of us. But it, it, it seems like to me that, you know, with all the, the missing children um, um, that are suspected to have been uh, taken by, by Bigfoot, that um, um, why is that? Just what it is, is is that they're just, they're easier prey, they're easier to carry off. And then why do they do it? Well, I think... Why do they carry them off? Do they eat them? Or is it just some sort of game, you know? I think that Sasquatch is a predator. There's no doubt about that. And most predators, well, take a mountain lion, for example. Uh, A mountain lion, if it has a choice between you or a small child, it's going to go for the small child because there's... Right. It's less likely to get hurt. It's easier pickings, and I think yep. it's for that, real. And, I really and think they. Lion, and mountain lions are known for that. They always go for the smallest person in the Right, and any predator will, for the most part. A predator is going to pick out yeah. the easiest target. You know, you see it with lions yeah. when they're chasing down gazelles. They're going to chase the, either the the young ones or the old ones. They're not really going to mess with the adults because it's too much of a too much work for a meal. And I think these things eat kids. I think they eat people. I really do. A lot of the uh, Native Americans called them cannibals. You know, they thought of them as being kind of the the wild man. But in the same breath, they said, hey, these things are cannibals. These things will, they're not above eating you. And it would make sense. That's that's what worried me when I was in that hidden valley. You know, after the tree knock and I, I had that charge, you know, I didn't want to become a mill. You know, um, um, like I said, you don't know how a confrontation is going to come out. I, I mean, it's possible I could have walked over there 
Maybe I would have seen it. Maybe I wouldn't have. Maybe it wouldn't have gone any further than that. But when you're that deep in and you're all alone and the protection that you have on you is questionable, my judgment said think safety and, and, and get out of the situation, you know, and, 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 and that's what I've done. And, of course, you have regret. You get out of there and you say, man, why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? And, and, you know, you can have many people come up to you and say, well, I would have done this. I would have done that. But until they're in that situation, they really don't know how they'll react. Yeah, I think when you're in an aggressive situation like that, where they're vocalizing all around you, kind of sound like you were being squeezed into a box, if you want my honest opinion, and I would have left too. I think you made the right call. But, you know, going back to what do these things well, let do? Me, uh, okay, let me go back to that. My my encounter, and that's what you're talking about, is my encounter, how I was, how I was surrounded. And, and, and I have a video called The Theory of My Encounter. This is This is what I believe. I spent and that's something that I meant to put in the story that I left out, so I'll, I'll tell you now. I spent almost four months in this five-mile valley finding tracks all over the place. I go into places that most people will look at and not even think about going into. And I think at some point in time, I got close and didn't know it. They were so used to seeing me. They were so used to keeping an eye on me that that day... They finally decided to turn the tables on me. Hey, you wanted us, you were looking for us, here we are. And it might have been some kind of test to see how much that I knew. And to be honest with you, because I let fear get the better of me, I think they, they realized, hey, he don't know much at all. But I also think that they may have that, that this particular group may have been relocated uh, due to our fires. That was the year that we had the nation's largest forest fires here. Um, um, it was just incredible. I mean, we lived uh, here in Haley. We were just under a thick cloud of smoke for about a month and a half. It was unbelievable. It was horrible to live through. But I, it, it's possible that this group were so deep in the mountains, possibly in some hidden valley deep in the mountains, it's now burned up. And it's also possible that they don't always have to venture very far out of way from their territory. And I sometimes suspect this group maybe never even saw a man before. Um, I think that it's possible they were relocated due to those fires. When they got into this valley, they run into a situation where there was already a squatch or, or a little small group of squatches living there, and they ran into a situation where they were trying to find a new home, but yet now they were fighting for territory. Because I think it was unusual that um, there were so many um, and I, I don't know how many that there were there. There's many people that freeze that video, and they'll find faces in many different spots. And I, 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 I don't believe they live in large groups. I think if when they're living in groups, it's just small family units, one, two, or three. You know, I knew that I was surrounded, um, and so I suspect it's possible that I just ran into a confrontation situation that was going on uh, between a group that was established there and one that was relocated into their territory. You know, I have uh, many, many theories on it. You know, was I just in the right place at the right time? It seems unlikely because I, I had searched this area, uh, like I said, for almost four months. I, I've gone into so many places, found so many tracks, uh, and, and, and I think it's, it's also possible that they just tried to confront me. They were tired of me tracking them. But it could be both. It could be they were relocated, they were trying to reestablish, and then they've got this man that's tracking them. 
And um, because I tell you, I haven't been in there as much this year. I've been going into a lot of different locations, investigating a lot of different areas. And so um, I haven't spent as much time in that area because, first, frankly, I got bored with it. You know, I'd spent so much time in there. If I wouldn't have had that encounter that day, um, I had it, I probably wouldn't have gone back. You know, I, I was just getting really bored with the area. I'm an explorer. I need to see new places so I can explore, you know, and that's what I've done a lot of this summer. And I have found uh, tracks in many different places, potential tracks, what I call potential tracks because they fit the profile. I have never found a track that is perfect like some of these casts you see with five toes. Um, I did I did cast uh, some tracks early in the year. Early in the year here is good. Uh, the ground's still soft, so the tracks are deeper. Good time to uh, get out the plaster. But I've never found that perfect track like some of these songs that Dr. Meldrum has and some of these other people have that are you know, this perfect-looking track with five toes. I, 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 In fact, sometimes I uh, wonder how those people find those. But, um, yeah, um, a lot of those tracks are uh, Grover Krantz's tracks. I think he, Meldrum got most of them. Previous co-host got most of them, but a, a lot of those people don't find those tracks. A lot of them are that were given handed down from from Grover right. Krantz. And you're right; it is it's really tough to find a great great track like Jeff Meldrum has. Well, Anthony, I appreciate you coming on and, and be safe while you're out there, will you? I mean, for God's sake, you're out by yourself with the nine millimeter. You know, <laughs> I can appreciate you're an experienced woodsman, and and you know you know what you're doing out there, but uh, still makes you worry a little bit when you when you hear that. So well, definitely... I, I'm going to be honest with you. There's there's some areas that I'll go into where my head's on a swivel because I know uh, by being by myself and not having uh, the best protection that I can have, I, I am putting myself at risk. But the explorer in me kicks in, and, 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 and you know, I don't want to become a statistic. And like I said, that's why I have cards in my videos that people can click on and, and, and donate to me so I can keep getting out there and doing the honest research that I'm doing for myself and for them. Um, they can donate to me to uh, uh, help me keep doing what I do. I want to, to keep doing what I do. I want to keep also entertaining people. There's a lot of people that uh, uh, like a lot. Some of my videos are good. Some of them and other marks so good, but I want to keep keep doing this for myself and for them. And, but I do need help. I do need some help. Um, my my wife is our, our she earns a good living, um, and I do uh, make a little bit of money off the advertisements in my videos. But I'm not making enough money. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm making a minimum of a hundred dollars a month, and I just recently started started earning that. It takes a long time build up to that. Um, I, I did sell shirts over winter. Uh, saw two group shirts. Um, I managed to sell a hundred of those shirts, which earned me five hundred dollars, which went uh, the money went into a new camera and uh, a new computer. Um, like you, my computer um, had recently crashed. So and as you know, for good a good computer, good good camera gear, um, you know, that doesn't even come close covering that yeah. off. Um, you know, I do what I, I do um, um, uh, to keep going. And, and fortunately, I, I, I live in a location that doesn't cost me a lot of money to get out into my location because I don't have to travel very far. Um, but, um, you know, I, um, I use, I do the best I can with, with the 
equipment that I have, but I want to expand. I want to do more night investigations. I need either infrared or thermal imaging for that. Um, I need some trail cameras that I can set up uh, in some of these, these these hot locations. And, uh, of course, a drone wouldn't hurt. But, but you know, as Bigfoot researchers, we need we know after so much time out there that just one man with a camera um, 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 might get lucky. But it's really not enough. You need equipment that you can set out that are gonna that are gonna help you uh, help you out, and that's 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 what I'm trying to work towards. That's where I'm I'm trying to go. Anthony, I want to thank you again for being on the show. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for coming on and sharing your personal encounters, and then some of the other encounters that you've you've looked into. So thank you so much for being on. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great. And that wraps it up for tonight. Remember, if you've had an encounter, email me. My email address is wes at sasquatchchronicles.com. And if you get a chance, check out the website, sasquatchchronicles.com. Until next time, everyone, have a great evening.
USA goes above and beyond. I was hit by a tire in the front end of my car and did a substantial amount of damage. I could not believe how fast everything was taken care of. USA was amazing. See how much you could save with USAA. Members pay for their participation.